It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Denver Nuggets have taken a 2-0 lead over the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. What is it going to take for L.A. to turn things around? Also, the Panthers and Hurricanes started the East Finals with a thriller, and the New York Giants are still negotiating star Saquon Barkley. I'm Penani Stevens in for Peter Bukowski. Starting your day with the can't miss stories and biggest debates in sports, you're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. All right, we're two games into the Western Conference Finals in the NBA. Denver now has a 2-0 lead over the Lakers. Andy, we were just talking frustrating probably the word that comes to mind yeah I mean the Lakers down the stretch of this game uh, particularly in the fourth quarter but you could see some of that momentum building towards the end of the third offensively I I thought they just were not executing particularly well there were shot selection issues I, I think there were some shot design issues and those often led to Denver being able to get in transition um, scramble the Lakers defense and credit where credit is due. Jamal Murray got legitimately hot. And a lot of those shots that he was making in the fourth quarter, I think were decently contested, decently defended. You know, he's when he gets going, I think Jamal Murray can be as tough as any guard in the league to stop. I mean, once he starts getting that confidence swelling, mm-hmm. Jamal Murray can be a real handful. We talked a little bit too about you know a must win, if you will, but it felt like the the Lakers were kind of getting themselves with me. This one was must win. <laughs> it, it was a must win, and they did not. Um, now that you're looking at the Lakers down 0-2, I think we can all agree it was must win. They should have won that. Yeah, that would have been helpful. <laughs> it's um, preferable. <laughs> yes. Um, just and and a little bit late, like we were talking, they they make those runs, but then it's like they're almost like they want to get it back so quick that it just ended up being missed long shots. And, and that kind of was their undoing a little bit in the fourth. Yeah. I mean, you just, you don't want to give Denver this ability between Jamal Murray pushing Nikola Jokic, pushing Michael Porter jr. Possibly being able to set up so he can get a scrambled defender on him. Cause mm-hmm. that guy can shoot over just about anybody. The Lakers would put on him and his release is fast. I think the Lakers needed to be more methodical, you know, LeBron O of six from behind the arc, to be perfectly honest, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I'd have to look at every single one, but I don't remember thinking any one of those threes. Oh, that was necessary. You know, particularly in the fourth quarter, like the, the self-created pull-up threes early in the clock, they're, they're just, they're not great shot selection period, but for LeBron who has not been shooting the three well in the playoffs or this season, they're just not good shots for him to be taking. And to give LeBron credit, I thought defensively he was terrific in this game. Yeah. And I, 
it's not necessarily strong company to choose from, but he, he may have been the best Laker defending in transition um, tonight, but though those shots hurt and, you know, they, they break up, they break up momentum and they also, again, put the Lakers defensively in a bad position. For me, I think for frustrating just watching was Anthony Davis really got to me because obviously he's not doing great, not scoring a ton, but then I felt like, you know, there wasn't a ton of rebounding effort there. It was almost just like a wasted effort from him. Well, I mean, AD had 14 rebounds. Um, and, he, and it was an interesting thing with AD because typically when a Anthony Davis has an off night scoring, it's going to get chalked up to a lack of aggressiveness. He, he doesn't try to assert his will on the game. He's just floating around. And that, by the way, can be true with Anthony Davis. Mm -hmm. This was not a game where I thought AD struggled offensively or didn't produce because he wasn't being assertive. You know, I mean, he got to the right. line 11 times and that's with 15 field goal attempts on top of it. So I think AD was looking to be aggressive offensively, looking for his shot. He just wasn't hitting him. Like, you know, he just was missing mid-range jumpers that he normally hits, um, certainly can hit missing shots around the rim that he absolutely can make. He, he just, the shots were not falling for him. And LeBron had a decent stat line overall, you know, 22 points, nine and 19 from the field, yeah. but Oh, of six from behind the arc, but also he missed three or four nearly point blank shots at the rim, which in a five point loss uh, come back to haunt him. Mm -hmm. How do they turn the page? Obviously, O2 is huge. You just try to kind of blank slate it as much as you can and take it one game at a time when you get back home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're going to have a really great crowd um, mm -hmm. inside the crypt, uh, the crypto, whatever, whatever we're calling it these days. Um, <laughs> th the fans have been terrific in these playoffs. They've been great as the season started to turn positively for the Lakers. Um, they've played exceptionally well at home this season and you know the, they can't there's no such thing as moral victories and being down 0-2 is a problem but there is no reason for them to believe they can't beat Denver you know mm. they they threw out the mother of all real comebacks in game one and came pretty close to closing the thing out I think gave Denver a legit scare this game was tight, although they obviously got outplayed down the stretch, was a prop, which is a problem. But it's not that they can't compete with Denver because they clearly can. Yeah. But what I do think these two games have shown is that their margin for error is smaller than Denver's. Right. You know, Den the Lakers can play with Denver, but I think Denver doesn't need to be quite as sharp as the Lakers do. So the onus is going to be on them back in L.A. for these next two games to play pretty close to mistake-free. Absolutely. Uphill battle. We'll have to see how things go in Game 3. Andy will check up with you then. Thank you, as always. Stay up to date all year long on the Los Angeles Lakers by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Lakers on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, the Panthers and Hurricanes started off these finals with a thriller.
Are you looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories? I have the perfect thing for you. It's Built Bars. They are made with 100% real chocolate, makes them taste great, but they're good for you too. They have 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein in every bar. You can always get them at Built.com, but now you can buy them in person as well. You can head over to Walmart, go to that pharmacy section to get the four bar boxes, or you can do what I do and go to Sam's Club where you can get a 13 bar box stock up. They have the brownie batter puff and churro puff made with that protein infused marshmallow, my personal favorite. Give it a try. You can thank me later. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The New York Jets made waves this offseason by trading for future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers, but now they might be at risk of losing star defensive tackle Quinnen Williams. The Jets and the 25-year-old All-Pro are reportedly very far apart in their negotiations. Next week at the spring owners meeting, the San Francisco 49ers and Levi's Stadium are expected to announce that they will be the host of Super Bowl 60. Super Bowl 60 would be the second Super Bowl hosted in Levi's Stadium since it was built back in 2014. A late surge by the LA Angels gives them a 6-5 win over the Baltimore Orioles yesterday. I know there's a writer's strike happening right now and there's no scripted television being made right now, but the Angels are the most dramatic show on television. What's going on, everybody? It's John Frisch, one half of Locked On Angels. The Halos get a much needed W on Thursday, winning the game against the Orioles 6-5. They split this series. It was a four-game set against the Orioles, and man, they needed this in the worst way. It was a back-and-forth game. Shohei Otani, in his first at-bat, got a solo shot. Trout hit a two-run home run, and then the Orioles tied it up. The Angels took the lead again. Orioles took the lead, and then the Angels added two thanks to a go-ahead single RBI from Shohei Otani that made it 6-5. to five. Hunter Renfro had a game-saving play with a throw to second base to get Adam Frazier out. Mike and I are going to talk about this one on Lockdown Angels. We hope you'll join us. Light that halo up, baby. Aaron Judge has hit six home runs in the last six games, and the Yankees beat their division rivals in the Toronto Blue Jays. This is Stacey Gossilius of Locked On Yankees, and I think it's safe to say that Aaron Judge likes playing in Toronto. He finished this series 6-for-14 with four home runs. He hit another one on Thursday night and nearly hit a second one. They called it back for a double. They had to review it. Unbelievable performance by Aaron Judge. Considering what happened on Monday night and the stuff that was being said about him and the rumors swirling and the awful things that people were saying and... You know, other players would shrink under that kind of pressure, but not Aaron Judge. No. So now he has 32 home runs against Toronto in his career, which is the most by any Yankee. He surpassed Jorge Posada, who had 31 home runs against them. So pretty good company for Aaron Judge. 
The Yankees win Thursday night's game by a score of 4-2. Nestor Cortez has his best start of the season. He looks like he's turning things around. Anthony Volpe hits another home run, and it's just an all-around good performance for the Yankees as they win 3-4 in Toronto. Up next, Cincinnati. We have a preview of that series. We have a recap of this game and more, so please watch the next Locked on Yankees. Here is another story you need to know. Quite the kickoff to the Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL. We're in the wee hours of the morning for those that didn't stay up through all the many, many overtimes. Obviously, you can't predict something like this is going to happen, but this is just how ridiculous the Stanley Cup playoff finals can be. Jared Ellis, what was going through your mind through every single period here tonight? Well, first off, it was, I want to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> but it starting off with the hurricanes it was you know pretty frustrating uh in the first two periods of regulation uh you could tell they had a break they had uh some issues getting to their game their uh some poor puck management turnovers their forechecking wasn't there that is usually really good uh but then you know in the third period they're able to get to their game and that was kind of when it really felt like they we're making a push and like, all right, you know, they could, you know, seriously win this game. And then obviously, you know, we get into overtime after overtime after overtime. And I will say, you know, when that Florida goal was overturned uh, at the start of the first overtime, it did feel like that gave the Hurricanes a bit of a boost. It was like, you know, oh, heck yeah, you know, we got this, you know, that wasn't going to count. And, you know, ultimately at the end of the game, it, Felt like it was just mistakes were being made. You know, they played over two games of hockey here. So it just the mistakes that come along with fatigue. You know, you can't put that uh, goal on Frederick Anderson, though. Certainly. I mean, everybody's tired at that point. Um, We should talk about that, though, because, I mean, you're starting a game and you are starting a series, excuse me, and you've already played two games of hockey. And how will this affect everybody going forward? Obviously, we'll have to wait and see. But do you feel like Carolina, obviously, they got the win, so that's always great. But do you feel like they're, you know, well rested enough that hopefully they can withstand this going the next couple games? It's going to be very interesting to see how game two goes. Obviously, they're down one nothing in the series now, so there's going to be that aspect of not wanting to go down 2 nothing. so there's going to be that level of desperation that they're going to be playing with. And But on the flip side of that is game two is on Friday. It's, uh, or game two is on Saturday, excuse me. And it's now to, after 2 in the morning on Friday, so they're not going to have as much rest as was initially planned and that goes for both teams as well i think we're gonna see obviously game two is gonna be a very hard fought game of course but i do think you're going to see fatigue in game two from both sides and it's gonna be a very interesting game because you don't really see stuff uh like this very often this was the first conference final game to go for overtime since 1951 So it has been a very long time since we've seen something like this. And game two is going to be a very different beast than game one. It's always mentally kind of hard to shake a loss in a series. Um, Hockey does it pretty well for the most part. But I mean, with something like this, there's so much dramatics put into it. Do you feel like the way Carolina's kind of built that they mentally can do something like that? What's coach going to be saying to them, you know, going into this game two? Yeah, 
Yeah, mentally, I am fully confident that they'll be there and be ready to go. Rod Brendamore, he's a phenomenal coach. He's you know, played for years and years and years. He's won a Stanley Cup. He knows how to win. He knows how to connect with his players. You know, We've seen that over the past five years since he's taken over as head coach and just everything he's been able to do to turn this franchise around. Uh, so the mental aspect isn't going to be a problem. This this team, you know, they know what to do in the playoffs. They have, you know, tons of guys with playoff experience. This isn't the team that we saw in 2019 when they ended their decade-long playoff drought. These guys know how to win in the playoffs, and they're ready to get the win in game two. All right, we're going to have to wait and see. We've already seen a lot of hockey, got our money's worth already, but there's still a whole series left to go. Jared, thanks for joining us. We will mm-hmm. talk to you later on, I'm sure. Yep, thank you for having me. Stay up to date all year long in the Carolina Hurricanes by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Hurricanes wherever you get your podcasts from and on YouTube. Coming up, will the New York Giants be able to extend Saquon Barkley long-term? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. If Saquon's agent says, you know what, we are going to have you play on the franchise tag this year in 2023, and we are going to hedge our bets that you have another big year, that you stay healthy, that you, um, you know, ball out, that the Giants who will have other guys they need to address next year in the offseason whose contracts are coming up for renewal will not put the franchise tag on you a second time. If that is the approach that Saquon's agent is taking, it's a very, very dangerous and foolish approach. And here's why. Saquon Barkley has a spotty injury history. We all know that. We know about the torn ACL. We know about the high ankle sprain that he had the year after. Uh, He had a high ankle sprain actually the year before he had the ACL. And even last year, even though he played through, you know, in 16 of the, of the games that for which he was act- activated in, um, he still dealt with a shoulder injury. So here's why digging in doesn't really behoove Barkley or benefit him in any way. If his agent says, okay, you know what? We're going to hedge our bets on your preparation, uh, your skills, et cetera, et cetera. Folks, all it takes is for one freak injury, whether it be somebody stepping on the back of his foot, like what happened a couple of years ago in Dallas when he had the high ankle sprain, whether it be somebody rolling into his knees, whether it be him taking a wrong step on a, either a turf field or a grass field, one freak injury is all it takes. And if Saquon ends up missing any time whatsoever, Due to injury, his production is going to drop and his chances of getting the type of payday that he might be looking for will drop 
right along with it. It's too big of a gamble. All right. The, the franchise tag, as we know, once signed, will pay him or guarantee him at least $10.1 million. Great. That's just wonderful. But if you're Saquon, doesn't it make more sense to come to some sort of agreement on a multi-year deal that'll guarantee you a lot more than $10.1 million? And finally, in the fourth quarter on Thursday night, Denver Nuggets guard Jamal Murray made a three-point field goal, then yelled bang at Mike Breen. Our Locked On sources are still trying to confirm whether he was doing an impression of Mike Breen or the basketball meeting the rim after LeBron James shoots a three. Tough one. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast. Make that your second listen. Coming up on Monday, which teams will have the upper hand in the conference finals? At least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.